Well, it's Wednesday, so you know what that means. Welcome to another episode of Maybe Next Year, the podcast that is just smashing ghosts and records left and right. My name is Frank. I'm Scott. Go smashing Paul. And very few sacred cows of the drought era are left. Um, the Bills, you know, absolutely t- destroy the New England Patriots on Monday Night Football uh, in in, as I had joked, of course, in a meaningless late season game per usual for one of the teams. Um, but this time it was New England and it was Buffalo, you know, doing the ass kicking. So I'm just trying to make sure I have the correct score because it was 38 to 9. Correct. 38 to 9. Um, I have to check that score every time I think about it because, um, you know, it's just too good to be true. Much like. Much like Bill Belichick smashing the phone on the sideline, uh, this game was kind of too good to be true. Um, everything went right for Buffalo. Nothing went wrong for Buffalo save for uh, possibly an injury, which we'll talk to talk about. Um, but you could not have drawn up a better game to against the New England Patriots than this, um, much to the chagrin of the person who spent who bet seventy thousand dollars on. The Patriots winning outright. Apparently, he got a bad tip. <laughs> um, but uh, I don't know. Look, this game is so good. It's one of these things where, like, we can talk about everything or, or there's almost nothing to talk about um, because that's how that's how great it was. Uh, we had a we had a, a Matt Barkley appearance at quarterback. Josh Allen, you know, was his usual master for self. Get used to saying that, folks. Um, uh, Stefan Diggs went off. There was defense. Uh, I don't know, Scott, you, you watch the game quickly. If you'd like to recap the game, or if you feel like it's not worth it, feel free to give us your Wonder Woman 84, uh, review from the drive-in theater. Um, yes, no, we did. We did go to Wonder Woman 84. It was not as good as the first, but for people who have not been to do anything that would qualify as entertainment in the last 10 months, it more than met the <laughs> Very that good. Was, that was more than sufficient. Um, no, it was a whooping, and I got home, and I, I attempted to catch up the game before it ended, but I, alas, I was thwarted um, by the thorough beatdown that was being applied and in quick fashion uh, at it. Um, and it needed, and I'm glad that you guys uh, pointed out the, the Belichick thing because I was fast-forwarding through the kind of the breaks and stuff, so I didn't see it the first time. Um, but that was the... I mean, that's that's the thing, right? Like, we'll always remember. I think we would have remembered this game anyway, but now it'll be the Belichick throwing the phone. Like, that, that is yeah. That is, the, that is the thing that will stick in our heads now. And we'll have that gif. We'll have that, the the meme or mem, depending mm-hmm. on if you're a friend. The meme. The meme, yeah. I always prefer meme. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Um, so you'll we'll always have Belichick throwing the phone. That's that's will always have that. And, you know, that's another memory in a season full of good memories. I mean, if we want to talk about the the performance of the team, you know, I think it was nice to see them look a little bit like their normal selves. I think there was a question about whether or not the Bills would come out and run the way they did in the first game. Um, that was clearly something they probably like the, the Patriots might have been a little more ready for. Um, and I think they were trying to scheme to stop that, though admittedly the Patriots probably wouldn't have been um, 
they were arguably less able to 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 man up and play that way um, because of the injuries that they had in their front seven. But they also had arguably a much bigger industry, uh, excuse me, injury um, with Stefan Gilmore being out um, with that obviously allows Stefan Diggs to um, allow JC Jackson to play him once and then spend the rest of the game um, whooping on him, which was enjoyable because JC Jackson has become a new kind of best noir. Um, this is a very French podcast so far. <laughs> uh-huh. We, it, ha- it does have a certain je ne sais quoi. I would have to agree. Um, um, the last two years, he's kind of come on as a guy who was the number two guy across from Gilmore and had, I think, I want to say three interceptions against the Bills in the last year or game or season. I feel like he's played well against us in the past. So it's nice to see him not play well and get beat um, like a drum by Diggs. Um, obviously a little concerning to see Beasley go out, though obviously, you know, we'll get into how that impacts the Bills game planning for next week and, and, and so on at later. Um, and obviously the defense, you know, they played well. Obviously the cat, the, the Pats offense is functionally a cat gun offense at this point. Like Newton just looks like he can't throw the ball more than 10 yards, which is not something that an NFL quarterback should be kind of debating about. Um, mm-hmm. and Stidham didn't really look all that better in, in limited action. So it's, uh, there should have been no doubt that the Bills would have some a good defensive performance, and they did play them. And again, guys who you don't normally, you know, the kind of the depth guys coming in well um, with uh, with Quentin Jefferson getting a sack, you know, those kind of seeing the 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 second half guys getting play, um, you know, getting a roughing the passer because he actually hit the quarterback, which you know, whatever we'll take sometimes <laughs> um, uh, if it means that he's actually playing well enough to hit the quarterback. Mm-hmm. So, so that um, I, I think that I'll leave it there, Paul. Yeah, I would. Uh, there is something Scott said which which triggered some thoughts for me, and that thing was when he talked about whether the Bills would take their more run heavy approach from the first game. How many Bills Patriots games have we watched? How many? Excuse me. How many seasons have there been over the last twenty years where we watched the first time the Bills and Patriots play? And the Bills keep it close and they have a good game plan and something happens at the end that's kind of crazy and then they're in position to win and they end up losing to New England. And then the second time they play each other in the season, whenever that is, it's a whitewash and New England just blows Buffalo out of the water. I feel like that's again, there were so many things about this game that were what we're used to only in reverse. And I feel that is very much the case there. When Scott brought up the game plan, Belichick had a very, he had that same pop gun offense first time they played. And yet he managed to come up with a defensive game plan that thwarted the bills a bit, that forced the bills to run a little bit more than maybe they wanted to. And it kept the game close and put new England position to win at the end. Buffalo clearly the more talented team this time said, okay, we know what they tried to do last time to a degree. It worked. It kept a game close between two teams that aren't as close in talent as they appear, and the Bills just came game-planned around it and blew them out of the water with a passing game like they have everyone else this year. And at this point, you know, what is there left to check off for this team in the regular season? Oh, they need to stop with these third-quarter droughts since the uh, since the bye week. That's That's done. They need to figure out how to put teams away so we can see Matt Barkley and the other teams back up in the fourth quarter. Done checking that off the list. They need to make bad teams look like bad teams and mediocre teams look like mediocre teams done. 
this, you know, I don't even want to harp on the fact that, again, Stefan Diggs, AFC Offensive Player of the Week. It's the seventh time that's happened this year with a, with a, that a Bills player has been a Player of the Week, offense, defense, or special teams. And so that almost is, you shrug it off this point. This is, as we talked about last week and we, we agree on, this is a great team. They played a great game. The right at the end of the first quarter, I believe, or early in the second, the or maybe midway through the second, excuse me, the Patriots got up to nine points and then proceeded to not cross midfield the rest of the game. So you know your defense has done the job. And while they were doing that, you know, we were communicating on the WhatsApp and saying, Yeah, hey, this could very well be thirty-one to nine by the turn of the half. The Bills end this half the touchdown and begin the next half with the touchdown before the Patriots can can do anything to respond. And that's exactly what happened. And then we just sat back and watched a great game. So I, I won't get into the micro of the game too much, just because you all watched it. You saw what a great offensive performance it was and how much Matt Milano, uh, Matt Milano being back seemed to help the defense. And yeah, just a, is a, a treat is what I described it as on Twitter. I, it certainly was. Uh, I'd like to briefly apologize, but not apologize for the number of times I have sent that gif of, Bill Belichick throwing the phone out. I will, that will forever be my moment with this game. Um, it also started just from a narrative perspective. There was a lot of talk before the game um, with uh, Larry Brooks. What's, what's his first name? Is it, uh, no, uh, Riddick, right? Lawrence Riddick or the yeah, Lewis R- Riddick. Lewis Riddick, right. Yeah, Riddick, right. Because he his brother played for the Bills. Um, but he, he had, you know, it starts the story with like, he starts the narrative that day with, uh, you know, look out for Bill Belichick because, you know, he's been saying he doesn't believe in the, the Josh Allen hype and he's got a little something cooked up for him. And, you know, he's a master at making people look foolish. And it was great because obviously none of that happened. And to me, there's just a really nice, there's a nice counter narrative that can be developed here about Bill Belichick being kind of a terrible coach who had Tom Brady for 20 years and his record without Tom Brady is not great. And he certainly isn't like a moron or anything, but you know, the idea that he's not as good as he was made to out, out to be, I'm fine with that. I'm kind of in love with that and happy with it. And so I'm very happy to, to, to let that play out and see that happen and be you know, rooting for the team that is part of, of what does that. Um, yeah, it, it, from every level, it was it was kind of great. I, I just sort of, you know, smashing this narrative and there's nowhere left for the Patriots to go. They have a losing record. They're not making the playoffs. It's all on the table. Um, that little kid in the video with the, the one, two, three, four, five, six, he can go right to kid hell as far as I'm concerned. I, not real hell, just kid hell. Um, you know, and we don't uh, want to be too tough on the children. No, 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 no. Even the um, children. And, and to me, like it was just, you know, JC Jackson, it, it's just a great game for storytelling because, you know, the first attempted touchdown Jackson's in Diggs's face about how great he is. And Diggs is literally like laughing him and waving him off because Diggs knows he can beat Jackson now. Right. Like he didn't get that one, but he knows like, all right. This guy really can't keep up with me. And and Diggs goes on to be AFC player of the week, 
because he's offensive player of the week because he gets, you know, the three touchdowns and 150 plus yards. That, of course, doesn't have any bearing necessarily on the true prize of the week, you know, whether you'll be the top star here. Um, but, you know, it's just a wonderful it was a wonderful, wonderful game. It was a, was an absolute d- delight to stay up for. Um Right through listening to Bill Belichick's post-game press conference, I couldn't help myself. Um, he was crushed. Uh, let's not belabor the point anymore. I think three stars is appropriate at this point because um, kind of like the regular season, th- this game I- is over. And so let's just count them up and see how we're doing. And then we'll Paul and I will briefly touch on some notes for the game that are, are worth mentioning. So, Scott, what do you got for us? Um, so... This uh, this will be a slightly slightly different um, set of three stars than you, than you might be expecting. Um, you know, normally we do the standard kind of hockey three stars of the game approach, where it's the three kind of best players on the ice in positions where they're able to do that. So you know sometimes there will be someone from the other team. You know some guys who uh, you know the, the guys who score the goals, not guy the guys who score the goals, not the guys who dig the trenches but um we're going to be approaching things a little differently so we will be giving an honorable mention to josh allen wow which is not normally again how we do things but this is a little different 27 to 36 320 yards four four touchdowns 75 percent four touchdowns no picks no near picks yeah broke a couple records yeah definitely honorable mention yeah (laughs) He's no Corey Bajorquez. Let's let's be real. The QBR of ninety-seven point three, which I think is the second straight week that he's been at a ninety-five plus QBR. Um, so yeah, um, honorable mention for Josh Allen. Uh, your next honorable mention, Stefan Diggs. A good yeah. day at the office with nine catches and one hundred and forty-five yards and three touchdowns, um, and absolutely abusing. What was once the pride of New England, the the defensive backs, the secondary, uh, but but an honorable mention here for Stefan Diggs, another another great game for him. Um, you know, uh, honorable mention, sure. Zach Moss, twelve for fifty-seven and a touchdown, uh, a good day at the office. Now, however, we'll get to the, the to the real three stars. Third star goes to uh, Saran Neal. With that one was a good, yeah, the good catch on the fake punt there, yeah, yeah. One reception for 13 yards and a first down on one target. A good day at the office. And really, I think an honorable, a, a third star for a good season of special teams work and a good um, representative of the excellent kind of special teams play that's been there the whole season, really, for the Bills. Uh, I'm pretty sure I don't think we've had any punt returns or kickoff returns for touchdowns against us. Nope. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, so I think I think that is a, a worthy candidate as someone who I think um, doesn't get enough credit for being an excellent player. And he was in a position where if he doesn't make that catch there, and it's not an easy catch because the guy's coming right at him. He's certainly not. It's not like we've seen that play before. No, um, he was airborne. Was, he had to go airborne, too, to get it. He did. And it was not a perfect throw from Jaquan Johnson, but it was certainly good enough to get there. It's and the best throw I've ever seen Jaquan Johnson make. Yes. Agreed. Yes. Also the worst. <laughs> yes. And uh, so, Saran Neal bringing that in. 
I'm not saying it's a different game, but it certainly is a bit of a bummer if he doesn't quite bring that in and the pass gets to take over on fourth down. I think in Bill's territory, if I'm not mistaken, or at least right around midfield. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. So it was a good it was a good play and another big tackle on special teams. Um, you know, the one tackle he did have was at like the eleven yard line on a kickoff return, which is more than good. Um, so a bit of an unsung hero, Sarandi. Second star goes to Deion Dawkins, Ike Becker, Mitch Morse, John Feliciano, mm-hmm. and an offensive line that I certainly have probably not done a good enough job of singing the praises of. Um, not a dominant kind of road grading offensive line, but not, but that's not the Bills team and what they need from this offensive line. They need this offensive line to do exactly what they did, which is Josh Allen has 36 dropbacks probably and gets gets hurried once right i think that yeah one hurry on 36 drops it's it's truly remarkable and i think i just want to double down here because scott's right like we don't talk about how well the offensive line has played enough um no occasionally we we send out some feliciano praise but we don't really ever call out what a great job the unit's done pretty much all year yeah and the depth has been there through injuries with feliciano being out with becker who I have criticized in the past. Um, not, you know, I don't think he's a great all timer, but he's certainly good enough to get the job done. And yeah, sure, you can put some of this on New England not being at full strength. That's fine. But um, they have been there the whole season and played well. And it hasn't just been, with the exception of maybe like the Joey Bosa game, um, they have been pretty much, and I guess maybe the Kansas City game. Kansas City kind of got after him, kind of put him in there. But I think this line is better than that line was when we played them with Morse healthy, with Luciano healthy, with Daryl Williams now having settled in. I think we're going to, he is now in the discussion of the, how do you keep that guy when you get yep. him now? Uh, mm-hmm. We kind of need a good, you know, having an, a, a, an offensive line that left tackle, right tackle was pretty solid means a lot. And, and, and the depth guys too, for Inseki coming in, Becker obviously was coming off the bench. All those guys, everyone who I didn't name who was playing on the offensive line, Bates has come in and play well on occasion. Um, so they get your second star. And your first star goes to a man who had, uh, let me just get out the numbers here. I want to make sure I get this accurate. Two tackles. Jerry Hughes. Jerry. Who's been here through... He is the one who has the closest memory of what this team was like when it was just a shitty team that didn't play well and didn't, not even didn't, I want to say didn't even even try hard all the time um, and had in various occasions illusions of grandeur about what the team was and was supposed to be. A guy who's been with the Bills for six years. This is his eighth season with the team. I had to look it up. Eighth season. Yeah. 2013 was his first one here. 2013. Yeah. And a guy who's been through the war. And as he pointed out in the post game interviews, obviously a leader, I believe he's a captain, if I'm not mistaken. He is. Yep. He, a leader on the team, a guy who can remember, you know, that's the thing. You have to, I don't say you always have to remember where you come from, but you do have to kind of understand what your role is and, and what how things can you have to understand that things don't always go well 
And how do you kind of respond to those? I think Jerry Hughes is a guy, as the guy who's been here the longest. Um, I think Reed Ferguson is the guy who's on the back of the spot, right? And yeah, like, Reed Ferguson is next. Like Jerry's been here the longest, then Reed. Yeah, and he was on the practice squad for a little while before he was on the roster. But yep. the 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 um, Jerry Hughes obviously a class act guy who has not filled up the stat sheet but always brings 100 percent has been bringing 100 percent effort pretty consistently um, and has not um, and has set the tone for the defense has allowed them to kind of hit their bottom earlier this year and kind of come back to be an effective part of the team. Not as dominant as they were the last two or three years, but certainly good enough to allow this team to win some games and 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 deserves a solid, you know, a, a, and and I will say has won probably at least one or two games where the offense wasn't in a position to kind of get it over the line. And we're going to need them in the offseason, or excuse me, in the, the postseason. Because normally it's the offseason, but we'll need them in the postseason. So Jerry Hughes gets the first time. Yeah. Well earned and, and a great fan box too, right, Frank? Absolutely. His his is an excellent fan box. Um, I, I, I did I, look up Jerry Hughes' first game, by the way, just to see who the starters were. I'll rattle off some names, which will take six seconds. EJ Manuel, TJ Graham, Colin Brown, Craig Urbic, Eric Pierce, Alex Carrington, Manny Lawson, Arthur Motes, Justin Rogers, Denora Searcy, among others. I think it would be a fair question to ask, are more of those people in the league or not? <laughs> oh, no, it's definitely, I don't think any of the ones I rattled off are in the league. Right. Um, well, thank you, Scott, for a very emotional uh, three stars here at the end of the season. Um, I just had quickly pointed out that Diggs on his first touchdown catch breaks the record uh, for all-time receiving yards as a bill. Um, Josh Allen passes Jim Kelly for all-time touchdowns passing uh, to go with his all-time total touchdown uh, single season record for the Bills. He remains, I if I, I apologize, I didn't look it up, but I believe it is 40 yard, 39 yards away from tying Drew Bledsoe, so 40 yards away from passing Drew Bledsoe for a single season receiving yards. Um, and he maintains his completion percentage uh, when his lead in that over Kelly Holcomb at 200 some odd passes. Um, he is at 69% and change. I calculated he would have to go 0 for 14 and then stop playing in the Miami game to lose that. And that's just sort of beyond the pale. And then I don't even know, maybe you just wouldn't count Kelly Holcomb's 200 pass yard attempts for all time completion percentage. Maybe there's like a minimum threshold I'm not aware of, but um, he is absolutely crushing it. Um, and we'll talk when we talk about Miami, because it might be more fun than previewing the actual game. Uh, you know, how how much we want starters to play and for what reasons. Um, Paul, you had mentioned there was a few droughts that the Bills had ended with this game specifically. Yep, I'll run through those very quickly. I also encourage about half of these are from uh, Mike Heim, who's a Buffalo-based stat guy, stat crew chief and researcher for the Bills. And he's an NHL off-ice official as well. Um, but half of these are ones I just randomly stumbled across. So this is the first time the Bills have swept the Patriots since... 1999 is the first time any AFC East team has swept the Patriots since 2000. This is the first 12-plus win season since the last Super Bowl season, which was 1993. The Bills will host their first playoff game since 1996. The Bills will finish with a 6-2 and record in road games in 2020, recording at least six road wins in back-to-back -back years for the first time in franchise history. They post their first five-game winning streak since a six-gamer in 2004. 
uh, with 10 players, according to reception against the Patriots, that tied a franchise record. So Saran Neal, again, earning his star there. Uh, the Bills have 52 touchdowns this season, which is the fourth 50 TD season in history and the first since 1991. Uh, they set a new team record with 238 passing first downs in a season with this game, breaking the old record of 218 from 2002. And lastly, uh, the season total of first downs is 373, crushing the old team record of 359, also from 1991. So kiss, kiss those streaks, all of those goodbye. The new record is 2020 for all of those. Yowzer. Yowzer. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, th- this goes hand in hand with a lot of the talk about whether the Bills are getting enough national respect. Well, like, you know, a couple of power rankings have them at first now, and I haven't seen them lower than third behind Kansas City and Green Bay, and whether Josh Allen is going to be in the MVP conversation or not. I know David on Twitter had said that he didn't think Josh would get any votes, and I, I disagree with that. I don't I don't believe Josh will win it, um, but I, I believe that he'll he'll get votes because I think there is enough national attention on the team now, and, and uh, they like this team. Like, the national media likes this team. The Bills are fun. They're different. They're new, you know, and so I do believe that they're going to kind of get some uh, some dap, if you will. Um, while we're talking about that, let's talk about um, Cole Beasley, who is currently week to week, having tweaked his leg in the fourth quarter of the game. Um, there's we had some talk about this, Paul, you and me and then Scott, too, about what week to week might mean in this in this. I have a quote from in the last hour from Josh Allen saying, I know Cole is going to do everything in his power to be out there. If it's not this week, it'll be next week. He's chomping at the bit already. He's going to attack the next week hard and do whatever he can to get back on the field. So he Allen seems pretty confident that that Beasley is going to be available for the playoffs. Um, I had said that maybe week to week was the designation because they already knew he was going to be out one week. So day to day didn't make sense because, you know, you're in a position where you're definitely going to rest starters. And so, you know, maybe that's it. Do you do you have anything else to say about this? And do you want no, to bring up that? That's a good Cole? quote. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, did yeah. you want to and feel free to introduce Kenny Stills? Yes. Conversation, if you think it's appropriate. Yes, I will do so. The, the Bill's injury report did come out uh, about 12 minutes ago, no notables on there. Uh, John Feliciano is also out with an illness. That means he'll be back the week after, unless that illness is uh, tuberculosis or something. Uh, but yeah, the, the big one is Cole Beasley. I am hoping that uh, Frank's interpretation of Josh Allen's interpretation is is correct. Uh, Cole will definitely be on the field if he can. He definitely he walked under his own power field under his own power, which is great news. Uh, however, he definitely was ginger. He definitely had a glum look on his face. And when that happens, you need to secure your receiver depth, especially with John Brown not having played a game in, in a couple of months now and, you know, not being sure if he'll be as effective as he can be with such a long layoff. So Kenny Stills, there, this has been speculated for literally months since he since he became available. Uh that he might sign with the Bills. He has, as of this recording, visited the Bills. He may very well be signed by the time you are listening to this. Um, Kenny's last really good season, I would say, you have to go back to 2017 with Miami when he had 847 catches for six touchdowns. Mm -hmm. I think it'll be interesting to see where he falls. I think 
you do well exclude Brown and Beasley from the discussion. Diggs obviously the go-to guy. Gabe Davis can play the slot, so you have to think he fills in there. And I would expect that a guy like if not Andre Roberts, maybe Duke Williams, who we haven't seen much of this year. He's had literally four offensive snaps. Uh, maybe he gets some more play. Maybe they put Isaiah McKenzie in on on jet sweeps for more than the the eight to ten plays a game he's typically getting. I would think Stills will fit in more if they sign him on the is a depth signing. He was okay this year. Uh, I say okay this year at the Texans. He really wasn't. He had he played in t- ten games, twelve games, excuse me, and he had eleven catches. So and he's got a good quarterback there and a good left tackle. I know that much. So that's that's definitely a factor against him. I think he'll sign as a depth sign if they sign. I don't think he's going to be out there in the playoffs, uh, but we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. Scott, do you have thoughts here? I would assume you do. Yes. Yeah, I mean, in short, yeah. I mean, I think I think you have to – I think it's a good – again, if you're the Bills, you know, there's obviously – there's still a couple little tiny holes on this team. You are a little probably worried about your wide receiver depth. You let – Obviously, Kumaral go to get Brown back on the roster. Um, and obviously, Andre Roberts is a guy who can play wide receiver, but certainly not someone that we're counting on and, and has obviously he dropped the touchdown, correct? If I'm don't know if I remember correctly. Yes. Yeah. So we don't want to learn him too much if we can avoid it. So we've got, you know, if Brown and Beasley are now kind of have nagging injuries headed into the postseason. If the worst happens and both of them go out and you're looking at digs and, you know, Gabe Davis has certainly done some nice things for us, but he also has also dropped some key passes here and there. The tight ends have been, you know, sort of the Tyler Croft, um, you know, nuclear option, you know, when he comes <laughs> out. You know, he he played the- exclusively special teams, I think, this week. I haven't looked at the snap counts, but I saw him on the punt team, but I didn't really see him out there otherwise. Mm. Yeah. Um, Lee Smith getting more getting more run with the offense than uh, Croft at this point. Um, Big day for Lee Smith. We didn't really <laughs> touch on that, but yeah. <laughs> His second best receiving day, actually, for those of you who keep track of those things. Um, so I think it's a good prudent move to bring in a veteran who can hopefully, you know, if you get him in this week, get in the playbook. He's not going to play next week. You, you get him another week. He can get into practice maybe by the end of next week. So he's an emergency option there if Beasley gets hurt. Um, but really, you're planning on him being the kind of the depth guy so that if he's there, um, if both of those guys get hurt, that there's someone there who can pick up the slack. Um, yep. So I, I think it, it's prudent and it makes sense. Yeah, it's um, I, I fully agree with both of you guys. I'd be surprised if he's leaned on for it. You know, I, I, if this happens a few weeks ago, maybe maybe Buffalo has some sort of idea with him where it's like, oh, we can turn him into a, a great third receiver or something. But I, I don't think that's the case. I think it's very clear, like, he's an emergency guy. You need somebody who has played football before, and he's available. He's a name anyway, right? There's something to his, uh, you know, he has some cachet, if you will. So uh, good for them, good for him. Um, but I, I would hope that I was thinking about it, you know, they, they let Kumarau go uh, to make room for Brown. And then, of course, I think it's the next day that Brown actually gets tagged with the um, with the uh, the covid, uh, you know, close contact thing. So I wonder if they would have done that if they knew that he was going to be um, in trouble that way. I think they had some confidence that Brown was ready to come back. And so 
they didn't um what am i trying to say like they would not have released kumaro if they knew like the next day he was just going to be put on the list um anyway right. yeah because yeah. i think that that was probably you know not great for them uh we have more to talk about oh okay yes yes it's the yes of course we have more to talk about frank um <laughs> I sorry, I was struggling to find the agenda for a second. My computer was being a little. Yep. I always foggy. put it in the chat box over in the corner. Always yes, with I, the score because that's the other do. thing. I, I was I, because because I had opened a new website. My computer was saying, "Are do you want me to be weird now? Because I'll be weird now." And it was weird now. Um, that, that's yes. why we have a no porn during the pod uh, pod policy, Frank. You know. Listen, pal. I I only get you? so much. I only get so much time without my kids to look at naked <laughs> men, and it's. <laughs> The podcast is a great cover for that. So, um, yes. Look, what do you want from me? Um, the the Bills yeah. are going to let fans in to their games. That's where I'm trying to get to. Before, right, like right before this podcast started, I when I was listening to uh, Mayor uh, Mayor Governor Cuomo uh, discuss the plan. Terry Pagula and Kim Pagula were were there talking about it with with the governor. Um, and he, they had made clear that that was the plan. About 6,700 fans are gonna, will be available to be at the game. Everybody will be tested um, going into the game. And if you fail your test, obviously you you don't get to go to the football game. Um, and then everybody will be contact traced afterwards. Um, so there will be follow up with the team, uh, or sorry, with the state, to make sure that you are, uh, you know, not spreading a virus. And the, the governor had couched a lot of this as uh, an opportunity to do a large scale test for opening businesses across the state. If, if you can get rapid testing to work, you can do a lot more things. Um, so that's good. Obviously, Bills fans will get a chance to go to the game. Uh, they did not speak about whether a second game was on the table. It was only guaranteed for the first game. But. They sounded really strict. They were definitely everybody, including a little Josh Allen cameo uh, video recording, uh, made clear they want everybody in Western New York to start, you know, taking the protocol super seriously now um, that when you go to the game, you'll be asked to wear your mask from the time you get out of your car till the time you get back into your car. That's it. You'll be seated, you know, seated around the stadium. Uh, Ushers will be empowered and told to get rid of people who are taking their mask off. So they do not sound like they're screwing around. Um, I think this is a win. We, uh, I'll start with my thoughts this time because I've asked you guys to. Um, I, I think that it, we haven't talked about COVID very much uh, in, in, since really the beginning of the season. Uh, first of all, it's remarkable that we're at week 17 and, and no games were lost and they've essentially played the season on time. Um, but second of all, uh, you know, few families are taking COVID more seriously than mine is. Um, and I'm okay with this. I'm, I'm more than okay with this. I think it's a good thing. I think that they're, you know, provided that people are actually going to do what they say and that they take these things seriously. I think this is something that can be done safely. I think it's something that recognizes the will of the people. Uh, you know, you can only enforce laws and mandates that people are going to follow. Um, and so, so, you know, I think that it would have been a real stick in the eye to um, to Bills fans to not do this. The governor said he's intended on, on attending the game. So that's great, too. I want to turn to Paul first because he's our Erie County native. Paul, you had said on the, the WhatsApp, you know, what will, and I had sort of spoken to somebody on, on Twitter about how uh, Mark Pollenkrantz, is that his name? It was Pollenkrantz. not a big 
yeah, not a big fan of opening up the stadium. And obviously, you know, Erie County itself doesn't have the resources. That was a lot of the issue um, to sort of do this. I'm assuming the state and the team are stepping in on some level to to pay for this, um, to help it get going. But, Paul, why don't you give us your your perspective as the as a local here? Yeah, I, I think this is the right step to take. I, as, as people know, am ultra, and, and I'm a guy who's ultra conservative when it comes to, to coronavirus. I spend Christmas by myself, not wanting to uh, travel and, and be in a large. Well, hopefully large... you spend it with your wife. No, no, she went to Richmond. I literally oh. went to went by myself. So, oh, okay. Um, yeah. So, uh, but she's back and we're going to spend New Year's in Richmond, but it's just going to be the two of us. Our listeners don't care about that. We uh, care a little. The... We all want you to be happy. Good. Um, so what we will, uh, I, I'm as ultra conservative as I am on COVID precautions, you're looking at 6,700 people and that's less than 10% capacity for what Ralph Wilson stadium is. You can, there are plenty of gates at Ralph Wilson stadium. You have to have people enter through certain gates at certain times. You can have people who are in lot, who are doing crowd control in those lines, make sure they are you know, apart, make sure people are staggered when they leave. And, oh, here's an idea. Ask all the other NFL teams, which are about to, by the way, the NFL next week will hit 1 million people in attendance for the season, which, of course, normally they do week three or week four, but they'll hit a million people. uh, And they have not traced any clusters of cases back to these games. The outdoor environments are fairly safe, especially when people are masked up in an outdoor environment. Your transmission odds are very low. The, you know, it, it the state eventually and from a business perspective we you know you need to figure out we've destroyed small businesses in this country and i'm not going to make this political but the you have to figure out ways to get places reopened again and figure out ways to do it safely and this is an opportunity to do something that should that if handled correctly uh can be done you know very safely i uh, can start to generate some business finally we'll get some ticket sales uh, for the the bills, not that you know football teams are the uh, you know a small business. They they tend to do fine for themselves, but this is and I think for the players, you know, for guys like Stefan Diggs who've never played in front of Bills fans except for you know a handful in Minnesota, they probably wasn't paying attention to when the Bills played there. You know, this will be a chance to finally be introduced to the the Bills mafia, if you will, and you know, really get to have a, a different experience in the playoffs, something to up the ante for the playoffs and give them that little extra pump of adrenaline. So I think this can be done safely. I think it's the the right move. And I'm glad they went over pulling cars head a little bit because as well, I tend to like pulling cars more than Cuomo. I think this is the, the correct decision is sometimes the one where you have to take moving forward over take being super, super cautious about everything. Yeah, I, I don't think I'm I'm terribly concerned by by this. I mean, is it a risk? Yes. Is there, you know, but life is a risk. You know, keeping all the Bills fans at home on playoff Sunday is a risk as well. Um, there's going to be a lot of people making terribly stupid, insane decisions on that playoff Sunday in Buffalo regardless. So, <laughs> lightly. Which isn't be- it. That has nothing to do with the pandemic. That's just, that's just normal. Yeah. That's the there's going to be more adult supervision at this Bills game than arguably any Bills game in the history of Bills games. So hopefully that will reduce the chances of um, somebody doing something stupid. And, and yes, that that there are risks to the, to the pandemic certainly, but yeah, like that, certainly there's hopefully there'll be some couple beer guys who will get there, 
their 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 afternoons. They'll be able to go out and make a couple extra bucks, help them get their families through the winter here. Um, you know, there's those those guys need the help just as much as anybody else. So, um, you know, I think um, obviously we'll get to you know who uh, you know whether or not what the what the team is and who they'll be playing and everything else. But like, I think it'll be it'll be good. I think they will. I think even if they're not going to be experiencing the the roar of the crowd, I think there will still be some energy from seeing some people in the in the stands, some people kind of who are not just kind of passive observers um, there to report or who work for the teams. I think that will add something to the playoff game when we get there. Um, obviously, it's a team that we can't do the whole thing, but hopefully, the Bills will get themselves so that next year um, this team will be in the playoffs. And it will be in a position where they can have a full house and we'll see that. We will see. Uh, but I'm glad that we're all in agreement kind of largely on this on this year. Um, because I think it's going to be really great for some real diehards to go. And as you said, the, the players have been playing all year without them. And they certainly seem energized by the 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 uh, visits to the airport, which have, there's been two now. Um, and so... It, it might it might uh, it also might serve to let off a little of the steam that's been kind of building up, uh, you know, for some people anyway, um, maybe even just to see people at the game. That'll be great. Um, so we've covered uh, Kenny Stills visit. Um, we're going to talk next about the seating for the the Buffalo Bills. And while I do that, I would encourage Scott uh, or Scott or Paul to help me pull up the listener questions to the extent nice. that we we care. Um <laughs> and then we'll we'll, we'll kind of go from there. Um, but yeah, here the Bills are are the number two seed. They are tied record-wise with the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are the number three seed by virtue of the of the uh, tiebreaker because the Bills beat the snot out of the the Steelers too. And um, the Steelers were very close to dropping their 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 uh, fourth game in a row. Um, because they because they were getting their asses handed to them by Indianapolis and Indy couldn't hold them down, um, which would have been which would have been the best of all worlds because then Buffalo would have firmly been tied to the two seed they would have been locked in and there would be absolutely nothing to consider for week 17. But as it stands, there is the lingering question: the the, the Pittsburgh Steelers seem to be ready to rest. Ben Roethlisberger in week 17 and let the chips fall where they may with regards to whether they end up to the two or three seeds. I think for them, it's a little different than Buffalo because not only do they have to win the game, they also have to hope Buffalo loses to Miami. And so for Buffalo, it's a little different. It's a, it's a win and in for the two seed now that the one seed's off the table. Um, so we're going to talk about that. We're going to start with Scott. Scott, do you have thoughts on how seriously – Buffalo should take week 17 and the advantages of a two seed over a three seed. Uh, we had touched on this earlier in the season, but at this point, and feel free to bring in any of the teams that Buffalo might play in the first week of the playoffs, if that is part of your consideration here. So I think um, after some careful consideration, yes, the only thing that I don't care about at all and should play no factor what the Bills do on Sunday is individual records for Josh Allen and the Colts. <laughs> um, and I'm a little disappointed that we started with me because 
Uh, I don't know what Frank will say now that I've put no, that I, out there. I will I will own up to it. On the chat, I said I want Josh Allen to get 40 yards passing, and then he can sit down. And, I and think Josh I, Allen wants I, those 40 yards, and I think his team wants it for him, too. And that's all. I'll finish my thoughts there, but your pointed okay. thoughts are pointed directly at me, and I accept them. So <laughs> and, that, and that's the thing. Literally, I like. I'm glad that you have such an, an insane and wrong opinion because otherwise, <laughs> would be very mealy mouthed and like I could see it either way. I get playing for the two seed because you guarantee yourself the potential for if you win your first playoff game, you will get another home playoff game after that. Um, I also see the the rationale in your every time you're risking someone going out there, you're risking someone getting injured. And gone for the postseason. It doesn't have to take much for someone to break an ankle or break a tibia or something where it's not even that big of an injury in the grand scheme of that player's career, but they could be out for the rest of the postseason. And that is something that I'd hate to see happen. Um, in addition to the fact that even if you're the three seed, there's, I don't want to, I, I have not done the math, but I would say there's at least a 30% chance that you're still going to host another playoff game uh, based on the fact that one of the wild cards will end up winning their game against a division winner and therefore you'll get a chance at at that team um that's obviously what pittsburgh's doing for those who have been tracking the pittsburgh steelers have already chosen that they're not going to start ben they're not going to start at least one of the one or two of the other guys so mason rudolph will be starting for them to me that pushes it a little more into the odds of if i was the coach i'd be a little more comfortable with matt barkley going out there um maybe without stefan diggs maybe without trey white and I'm going to say, like, Micah Hyde or Jordan Poyer, maybe one of the two. Um, I think there's a, I think that makes me feel more confident that the Steelers are not taking this seriously. And therefore, we don't need to take it seriously as well. And we kind of let the chips fall where they may. Um, but if someone told me I, I, two weeks ago, I was arguing that they need to keep their focus. And they're, they're on a really high roll right now. They're playing well. Let's just keep it locked in. We know Miami's going to be locked in because they they're winning in. So let's go ahead and 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 play them. Uh, obviously, there's another little wrinkle now that now that Miami is winning in, you're risking showing them some of what you've got in your playbook when you could be playing them literally a week from now, um, which to me is very concerning because Miami's still a dangerous team even with their kind of quarterback drama. So I'm a little more of the let's go vanilla, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna I'm not gonna kill anyone for um, for for keeping it rolling like we like we have been. Um, the only argument that I will not stand for is that any individual statistics matter because if you told if you told if Josh Allen went out there and broke his leg on the first play because he wanted to get those 40 yards, like we'd all feel like jerks, and he would too. And I'm very confident that the Buffalo Bills organization is thinking along those lines, which makes me feel good uh, going. Forward. Right. I, I say just uh, play him and do jet sweeps and flea flickers until he gets it. Minimum risk to your to your quarterback. No, I'm I'm largely with Scott on that point, too. Look, I would love Allen to set the record. I would like Beasley uh, to get a thousand his first thousand yard season. I'd like Diggs to get a fifteen hundred yard season. That is uncharted territory for Bills receivers, of course. But at the expense of what they can do for the greater good of the franchise and for Bills fans, no, uh, you've got to, th those can't really be considerations to me 
when you're pursuing something uh, as large as the bills are are pursuing. Uh, I was 100% on Scott's side uh, until the announcement we just discussed about fans in the in the stands because now I think, oh, wouldn't it be great to get a second playoff game? And can you imagine if someone upsets the Chiefs and all of a sudden you're hosting the AFC title game, which, you know, someone's got to take care of the Chiefs. So that's that's easier. That's more of a long shot. Well, but Andy Reid has made his mistakes before. So he has. It would not be unprecedented. The Chiefs have looked uh, much more human in recent weeks. That doesn't necessarily mean they will in the playoffs, but they have played kind of met. But for all the points that Scott hit on, all the major points, the only other one I will add to it is a reason the number two seed doesn't concern me as much as it did, or two other reasons. One is the four seed is no longer in play. You are not going to have to play Kansas City in the second round. So you do get to dodge them. One more week, which even though I said to Frank, you know, to be the man, you got to beat the man. It doesn't matter when. Let's face it. It's it's better to avoid them uh, for Look, for a while. I, I would like to say you don't have to beat the man on Monday Night Raw. You can beat them at Royal Rumble. That's, That's OK. <laughs> yeah. You can do it on the big stage instead. Totally. Right. Totally agreed. So and then the other uh, factor that I think is in play is if you are playing on the road, that means you are playing the Pittsburgh Steelers. And if the Bills can't take care of the Pittsburgh Steelers on the road with their struggles up until the Indianapolis game, um, then they, they probably don't deserve a shot at the AFC title. So, you know, uh, they've proven they can beat them. They have a better team than Pittsburgh. So I've I've come around and thought it's better to just you know, rest. And I think you rest all the guys. Scott said, I think maybe you give Milano a few snaps just to, you know, keep him going, but then you get him out of there. Otherwise, I think you got pretty much backups on both sides. Feliciano and Morse are probably going to sit. Uh, Daryl Williams will probably sit on the offensive line. Uh, it'll be interesting to see who's a scratch. And yeah, Scott brought up the vanilla game planning is kind of important because you have, I believe, about a 30% chance of playing Miami again the next week. So don't, uh, you know, don't give them too much. Well, there's an interesting thing. I was I was perusing an article. It might have been Buffalo Rumblings that said if they if they lose to Miami, then there's a zero percent chance that they play Miami the following week. Huh. So it's like a way to dodge the Dolphins. But if you beat them, that pushes them down in the seating. And then there's a reasonable chance that they they end up with the, uh, you know, whatever the the I guess it would be the six seed. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, they go to the two, and the Dolphins, if they were still in, and be seven. on Sunday, they would only be in by the skin of their teeth and get the seven. So. Right. So there's a chance that you'd play Miami back-to-back weeks if you had beat them. Um, and and to be honest, and I and I'll this is good because it answers one of Mark's questions. We were talking about Allen playing against the Dolphins to try and keep the two seed, and are you comfortable with the risk of injury versus reward? And I get it. I'm very encouraged by how the line plays. I think that there is an attitude to this team that thrives on here. I am. I'm going to make a momentum argument. Okay. I'm, oh, I'm, yes. Right. Guys I'm going to, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to say that there's a level on which you want them to feel good going into the game, because I think that they've really sort of gotten into this ridiculous groove recently. Um, I fully agree. Let, let me let me let me say this. I fully agree that basically everyone should sit this game out. And I fully agree that like they the game plan should be 100% vanilla. I just I just it would be really nice if he got 40 yards passing cuz he could do it on one pass. 
He could have one pass and be done, and it would go 40 yards. And Send you, out Taiwan you know, Jones. No one is thinking they're going to throw to him. After oh, God. Week. They hit him. That's one thing I didn't bring up in the game was, like, it could have been, like, 50 to nothing because, like, they had three touchdowns basically called back or, or you know, hit right in the hands and missed. Um, anyway, I, I will capitulate. I will be a little sad. I will be a little sad if they don't if he doesn't break the record, because I, it's a question for the off season, but we're going to talk about whether this was the best passing offense ever in a bills for the bills. And there's arguments for and against, and I think it makes it a little more interesting. And I think it really solidifies his year. That said, I guess ultimately if we all have to look at each other and say, yeah, he finished second, but you know, he was only 40 yards off and didn't have to play week 17. That to me is the Jim Brown and the OJ Simpson arguments about, yeah, he, they're not the rushing title leaders anymore, but they were only playing 12 or 14 games. And so I'll get over it if he doesn't play this week. Um, but part of me is like, I don't know, like they should go out for a little while, you know, keep a little bit of the blood pumping and then be all ready for, for, for the playoffs the next week. Um, so I, I don't know. Let, oh, since I'm since I'm wishy washy on that answer, I will say that the two teams I don't want to play, sorry, the, the the three teams in order that I don't want to play are some combination of Indianapolis, Tennessee, and Miami. Oh, oh really? Not Baltimore? No, I I think I think Baltimore is a running team, and I think Buffalo has figured out their run defense, and I think. I think Baltimore, I think, I think that's like, they're not New England bad, but like they're the good version of New England. And, and to me, like, I think Buffalo can get out ahead of Baltimore and Baltimore will struggle to catch up. The teams that I think can score points are Indianapolis. I think Tennessee probably scares me because I can't really explain what Ryan Tannehill is doing, but he seems to be really good now. Um, (laughs) And then, and then Miami bothers me. Because for all my shitting on them on Twitter, I do think their defense is excellent. And I they do have this weird little charmed life about them where they absolutely should have lost to the Raiders. They, I watched that game, and they lost twice to the Raiders and still won. And so, to me, Buffalo probably goes out and handles Miami. But, like, there's a part of me that's just, like, there's something a little icky about them that, like, I don't really, I don't really want to face them for some sort of spiritual reason that I can't fully put into words. Um, Baltimore doesn't bother me. Cleveland seems to be falling apart too. I mean, clearly like they, they struggled without, they basically played without their entire wide receiver core against the jets. But I I think there's a rule that if you lose to the jets, you're not allowed to be scared of that team. Um, (laughs) And honestly, if there was a way to get Pittsburgh in the first round, I might sign up for it. Um, the difference between the two and three seed to me is more um, I'd like to see another home game if possible for Buffalo. I think that's a meaningful thing for the fans now that we're letting them in. That said, I have no compunction about traveling to uh, Pittsburgh if need be in the second week. I think that Buffalo can go there and beat them on a neutral field just like they beat them in Buffalo. Uh, I I think they're just the better team. I think that's the great thing about talking about these opponents is – um, you know, Buffalo is the better team than all but one of them. And honestly, they can beat 
they can beat Kansas City. Um, you know, it, it, they might need some help. It might, it, it would, it, it would be a great game if they do. That's certainly a feather in your cap game. Um, I'm not saying it's a sure thing, but I think of the seven teams, Buffalo, you know, Buffalo's one of them, and they're better than five of them for sure. And so I think that leads right into George's uh, question. Uh, we can we can start us off. Who do we want in the playoffs? I get we'll rest and play 50% against Miami, and I can't wait to see who we get. Um, Paul, you you seem to be a little more scared of Baltimore. Why don't we start with you and circle back to Scott and see if um, we have any uh, disagreements about this. Yeah, I, I think I'd like to see Cleveland the most. I, even though they beat the Bills the last time they played them last season, I feel this is an advantageous matchup for Buffalo. They do have a very good run game. They will certainly try to run the ball uh, against the Bills. And that goes for pretty much any team they'll be able to face. But I don't think defensively they're going to be able to stop uh, the Bills. I think Baltimore's got a bit better chance on the defensive end to do that. Tennessee's just a tough matchup overall. Uh, they've already crushed the Bills earlier this season. Uh, that was kind of flukish that they destroyed them because they're the only team to do that to Buffalo all year. But they can still beat the Bills, and we know that firsthand. Indianapolis, I think, is actually a good matchup for the, the Bills, too. Indianapolis does not have a Derrick Henry or a Kareem Hunt or a Nick Chubb or a Lamar Jackson, who's a good running running quarterback. So, you know, I'd be okay with them. So I'd say Cleveland, I would most like to see. Then Indy would be second. Miami, you know, it, it could be a problem. Uh, but I think we've, we've seen what they can do against the Dolphins. And the Dolphins are dependent on great defense and special teams to win. And the Bills just need to bring their A games there. Uh, so I put them third. And then I would say fourth would be Baltimore. And then fifth, the team I would least want to see, I would say, is Tennessee. Okay. I think I will I will briefly say I am I would probably pick the game, the Bills, in any game that they play. Um, but I would feel most confident in a game against the Colts. I feel like the Colts don't have the offensive power to keep up with the Bills, nor do they have the defense. Um, as much as I love Jonathan Taylor, the running back from Wisconsin, obviously. Um, I don't, I don't, he has not kind of played a game where he's taken over and dominated, um, unlike some of the running backs on some of the other teams and wouldn't have the familiarity that my name is. So uh, I will say I'll, I'll play anybody, but I, I'd be most happy to see any of this, but it's not, a, it's not a deal. Awesome. I will say I'm glad they're closing with Miami just because they'll get to face a playoff team. Like they've had three kind of crappy teams in a row they've played. So let's get a good team on the radar just so they remember what it's like to face a good team going into the playoffs. A, a playoff team or a 10-win team that misses right. the playoffs. Um, but they, they um, yeah, I mean, the AFC, there, there's, as Paul pointed out, there's a chance that an 11-win team will, the, will miss the playoffs this year. If they all go 11-5, and five, one of them won't make it. And that's that's pretty remarkable, given that up until this week, the Philadelphia Eagles with four wins were still alive <laughs> for the NFC. Like I was really and I st I'm rooting for the next level of chaos because for me, like I really want to see them um, do that. I think it's going to be I really want there to be like a tie at six and ten um, for for the division lead and to see who who takes it home there. Um, but I was rooting for the ultimate chaos, which was. Um, you know, the Eagles to like be in the, in the, in the hunt this week. Paul, do you have the questions up? Can you read a few of them? I do. Yes. Uh, David, uh, Frank's neighbor, because some fans will be allowed to attend the first playoff game. What should they be given upon entry to the stadium to 
maximize their influence, megaphones, cowbells, what else? I will say they'll be just damn loud enough without any of that. Yeah, they're they're Bills fans. They'll be fine. Yeah, they'll 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 figure oh. it out. Yeah. Um, David asks, I wonder if the Stills signing was in the works before Beasley was injured. Given COVID protocols, doesn't it at least take a few steps, days before anyone, someone can come to the facility uh, for a visit? I'm hoping the sign is just a result of losing Jake Kumarau. Plausible. I think they've had Stills on the radar for a while, though, but I think it could be a Kumarau one, sure. Yeah, I, I think that you probably... I think that there was talk about it right when he was released and then it went away, probably because they didn't need anyone. And I and I remember that um, um, Bean had talked about the difficulty this year where you can't just pick up a guy because, you know, you're in a position where you do have to go through all those hoops. So my guess is that they, they'll, um, you know, they'll... They, they had wanted him, but they didn't want to do anything until it was absolutely necessary. And and now it might be absolutely necessary to add this receiver here. So we'll see. Yep. Any thoughts on that one, Scott, or next question? Which we'll let you answer first because we dodged you. Next question. All right. Next one it is. Uh, Steven, who's got a few questions, we'll go with this one first. I was surprised McDee took the three at the end of the first Buffalo drive, especially considering how aggressive he was on fourth down elsewhere. Uh, yeah, because yeah, a little bit. I mean, I think he's still functionally a conservative guy. I think he lets Dable have a lot of the play calling responsibilities. I think he knows the stats about fourth down conversions are a little different than I think touchdown field goal. It's, it's sometimes a little less clear. I forget exactly where they were on the field as well. I'll tell you who I was what I was surprised about was the third down. Um, the third down, uh, the fourth was it down Singletary. Oh, no, the, the fourth down punt by yeah. by Belichick, where he basically gave up on them. Oh yeah. Yeah, like you know, it was the third quarter. I think yeah, if they weren't up like thirty points, maybe it, maybe it's um a different question. But I think at that point the game was well in hand, you know. Yeah, I would I would say I was actually okay with the field goal uh, on the first drive. They were inside the five. It's I won't go into the long answer, but it's tougher to score there because you have less field to work with. You can't go outside the back of the end zone and make catches. The Bills don't have a great goal line offense. I was fine with that decision. And also, as Frank pointed out, McDermott tends to have a good read on this sort of stuff. I trust his judgment on force. Every time he went for it on fourth in the game, which was three times, I agreed with all of those decisions, the fake punt included. Also, New England is terrible. Like you just knew New England was terrible on offense. I mean, that comes after the first drive where they pulled out the trick play. And yep. if you're, as I said on Twitter, if you're pulling out the trick play on the first drive, you're in a lot of trouble. So McDermott's probably like, yeah, let's just get three here and, and, and dare them to do it again. Yep. So. All right. Uh, Steven notes, and this isn't really a question, but uh, well, it is. Think New England will leave the gunners uncovered again. <laughs> no. Uh, it said some New England. Yep. And then the New England radio host said that was where the Buffalo asserted it's alpha. Uh, you don't call fake that deep in your own net. You are the least bit worried about your opponent. Frank and Scott have both already said yeah. that. And I agree. And he, that same guy was on TV saying this was the Bills almost asserting their arrogance, which we seen saw the Patriots do to us so many times. And we bitched about, but we bitched about because we couldn't stop them. Now we can stop them and they can't stop us. So I don't care so much. Mm-hmm. Um Steven just says these are more comments. A slow first quarter is a whole lot less stressful than to watch in a slow third quarter. Agreed. Uh, and then he recaps the game about how Buffalo kept it close. Um, if David asks, if Beasley can't play in the wild card round, who will play the slot receiver role? I think it's going to be Gabe Davis. I don't know if you guys have a different opinion on that. 
because he's played the slot a little bit this year. Yeah, that's a good. I think that's something you brought up was, you know, Diggs and Diggs and Davis play all the different positions, so they're in they're in a good spot there. Um, and that's another reason I don't think you're you're really rushing Stills to get onto the field. It's not like you're missing, um, him in that regard. You're just you need uh you need depth. So I think that it probably goes to like it's probably Brown takes the his usual role, and maybe you switch digs over to the Beasley role, but probably you just put Davis in that role and let, you know, you have, you know, Davis has been great. So I don't know. He's a step down from Cole Beasley in that specific um, role, but I, I he's not really a step down as a receiver. He's very good. Yeah. yeah. I think the, the Beasley is, is one of the guys where you would have thought about resting him this week anyway, because mm-hmm. like Davis is a very good, he like, he can be a very good receiver one day. Like, uh, you know, almost a Pro Bowl level based on his size. And, you know, he's, he's good at catching the, the, at the good at catching. He's, you know, he's, he's fast. Um, but Beasley has this unique third down zone finding man beating kind of preternatural awareness um, that allows him to get open. And, and, and Allen knows that and has figured out that he can use that. So he's a unique talent. You put Davis in because I think you'd rather – you put if you put Brown at the slot, that's like making you weak at two positions rather than <laughs> you leave Brown at the the Y or the Z, whatever it would be, and then you leave um, Diggs at the the X, I think, and then you um, you you keep those guys intact, and then Davis, he's not going to be able to do quite as much, but at least he and he's also smart. Davis is a smart guy. I think the coaches have been very pleased with how much of the playbook. Like Davis is pointing out other guys on the field where they need to go when they're lining up and stuff. So he knows the playbook well enough to be able to function in the slot. So, yeah, I think he'll be fine. He'll be fine enough as a normal slot receiver for a normal. Beasley is obviously a A plus perfect slot receiver. So you're going to have a downgrade there, but that's just life. So. Right. And good observations about Scott, about Davis essentially being a, Almost not quite as smart as a veteran, but very good about he's understood his assignments well, and he's he's definitely uh, smarter than a typical rookie. Uh, let me, the last, um, let me read Stephen's last comment so you can rest your voice in anticipation of this day in Bill's headlines. Um, Buffalo went up 10-3. to New England responds easily, mostly on the ground. Buffalo went up 17-9. New England went three, and now all passes. Buffalo went up 24-9. New England pissed away the clock. Despite running well, despite knowing Buffalo gets the second half, KO. New England should have kept running it. Might have kept it close. Maybe? Yes. And I think that also is Bill Belichick being smart enough to know that the game was over. I think 17-9, to if you can't pass the ball then, it's over. And so, I think he wanted, I think that's what I was trying to say. They were on the positive half of the field when he punts 4th and 3, 4th and 5 or something. They're down, I think it was 24-9. to that game is over. He's kicking the ball away. Bill Belichick just sort of understands the situation and knows he doesn't have the, the firepower. And unlike a lot of other teams that have struggled, uh, he had no sense of dignity or decency to, to let them keep trying. He just sort of was like, well, let's put in as a human being. And I don't know. Um, Steven also just four seconds ago, Three touchdowns wiped out. 
last week's due to penalties. This week, two passes dropped in the end zone and a touchdown pass wiped out due to New England calling a timeout. I'm not sure what my point is, but I feel like I do have one. Steven, you never have a point. <laughs> no, Steven, you always have a point. And that was a dick timeout by, by Bill Belichick. They tried to make it like he was being like a defensive guru. He was just, you know, trying to fuck with Josh Allen's head because that's all he had left. Um, Steven, I would like to take your point as this. The Bills are so good, they can win by basically 30 and leave touchdowns on the field. They've been like that for weeks. They've been like, how many times did they score a touchdown against Denver? On that one drive, they scored four (laughs) touchdowns. So, Scott, do you have any thoughts on this before we turn it over to Paul to— I think I think I'm glad that Jay decided not to chime in because yes, he, it's it's really frustrating having him attempting to make a coherent point. So I'm glad he's stuck out of this. Um, and I should just delete his Twitter. Yeah, <laughs> delete Twitter. Um, no. the the other thing is yeah, I mean I think the the thing is yeah, like it's you, point well taken that like they're playing really well and so they get to do that. Obviously, when you get to the playoffs, like you're not going to get those kind of chances back. Like you need to be able to cash in on some. And I think that they will, and they can, they haven't played a perfect game yet. And I think that's the best thing that you can say about this team. They played really well against some good teams um, and, and have won handily in some situations, but they haven't played a perfect game. And it's, you're going to, when you get into the playoffs, like the chances that the other team's going to bring their a game is pretty high. And there's good teams in the playoffs. So you need to be able to play really well, borderline perfect, in order to get through sometimes. Not necessarily this first weekend. That'll be in two weeks. But after that, it'll the road's, the road's going to get hard. So get ready. Um, just before you get to it, Paul, I'm reading mm-hmm. Mark. Paul oh, cars. I got distracted by that on Twitter as well. The, okay. The $11 so he, surcharge for the parking fees yeah. and all that. Yeah. Yeah, fans are going to be paying for a fee for the rapid testing as well as all fans in attendance will have to pay a parking fee. Tailgating will not be allowed. All tickets will be sold through the Buffalo Bills website. Uh, I also saw that he had said something along the lines of, like, if you park in a private lot and tailgate, it's going to ruin it for other people. Concession stands will be available inside the stadium. However, there will be no eating or seating in those concession areas. Fans will have to go back to their seat, listen on their ticket to consume their food and beverage they purchase. is on us to practice proper behavior as far as no tailgating outside of the stadium. For fans that are inside the stadium, they must wear their mask at all times, even once they are seated. Failure to do so could jeopardize allowing fans at any future home playoff games. If an individual test positive, they will not be allowed to attend the game. There will be no second round of testing. The ticket is non-transferable, which is interesting. I was wondering if they would think about signing people to you can buy an alternate ticket maybe they still will do that alternate tickets um if you know because you would presumably have a certain number of people test positive i think that's just how math is and yeah like a waiting uh, list yeah right um we'll do that so good on it yeah right a second like the, the 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 offhand like I'm going to get those 500 tickets from the guys who've tested positive. Like you want to have 50,000 people show up for those 500 right. tickets. Yeah, exactly. Um, so good on him for taking it. Well, he doesn't seem to be arguing or fighting it. I'm, I'm guessing that they got to some sort of agree with agreement with him beforehand. Um, and, and, you know, so the, 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 the theme here of ticket prices will be 65 to $330 for the wild game. Uh, and it seems to be that you will have to have been a person who opted in for the season first. So I think that's there are 13,000. Correct. 
So you and I are not going to go. Because um, no. <laughs> I'm imagining that, like, none of those people are then going to turn it around and put it on. I, I would think you probably can't even put it on StubHub. It might be a situation. It already says the tickets are not transferable. So my guess is nobody is here buying tickets that are going to then be able to turn them into a the secondhand market. So good. That means people who really want to go will probably be the ones going. Uh, that, that's very good for me and hopeful for me. I'm, I'm excited about that. Um, I also have a weirdly interesting article about Tua Tagovailoa, which I'll look at uh, while we do the Stain Bills headlines to see if it is at all worth bringing up. All right. Uh, hopefully we'll be talking about two in a minute. Uh, otherwise, let's talk about this day in Bill's headlines for December 30th. This one's just from last year, 2019, but this could be a bit more of a challenge. The name will either come to you or it will not. 2019 Bill's cornerback blank gears up for key role in playoff game versus old team. With Buffalo Bills cornerback Levi Wallace carted off with a leg injury after an interception against the Jets, the Bills have only four of their cornerbacks, Trey White, Levi Wallace, Taron Johnson, Saran Neal, and Blank. But with White inactive in the two injuries, only Blank, who was eventually taken from the game to protect him, and Neal were available, forcing Isaiah McKenzie into an unfamiliar role when New York was in a passing situation. Blank is expected to take on Wallace's starting role against his former team, Houston, in the playoffs next week. I know a lot of guys there, Blank said of the Texans, but the main focus is getting a win, and that's all that matters. Well, who was the Houston defensive back that was on our team last year? Yeah, that's. Can you remember that he used to rotate snaps with Levi Wallace? Not Jake. Well, who? Cam Lewis. No, no. This is. Let's see. He was last year. I think he's. I forgot where he went this year. He's still playing this year, and I think he's still in a similar split cornerback role where he takes like fifty percent of the CB two snaps, just like he did with Wallace last season. What's that? One of the Gaines brothers? Not one of the Gaines, not Philip or EJ. Hmm. I was going to say EJ, so I don't think I have it. All right. The correct answer is Kevin Johnson. Oh, KJ. Former first-round pick, yeah. Yep. How soon we forget. One one decent year with Buffalo. Thank you for your service, Kevin. All right. 2018. Is blank ready to take over for Kyle Williams? From the moment he was selected with the 96th overall pick out of Stanford, fairly or unfairly blank has been viewed as Williams' heir apparent. Harrison Phillips. Harrison Phillips. There we go. All right. This one also only three years old, but this could be a little bit tougher, too. 2017, the lone Bengal, ex-Cincy wide receiver blank, says former team is prepped to help Bills on Sunday. When asked if the Bills could depend on the Bengals to help them this weekend, former Bengal and current Bill Blank said, oh, yeah, I've been talking to them. They're up for this game. You know, any given Sunday, anything can happen. So hopefully they pull it off. And spoiler alert, they they did, in fact, pull it off. Thank you, Bengals. Well, not Takeo Spikes, unfortunately. No, not a wide. Takeo never got to play wide receiver for the Bills, which is a shame. I will say, okay, so I'll give the history on the guy who was a Patriots third round pick in the 09 draft out of NC State. He spent two years with the Pats, five with Cincinnati, two with Buffalo, and then finished his career in 2018 with the Saints. And while he was listed as a wide receiver, he only caught two passes with the Bills, but he was their primary kickoff and punt returner in 2016 and 2017. He played 31 games, including the playoff game against Jacksonville. He returned 109 kicks during those two seasons here. Hmm. So the pre-Andre Roberts guy. Well, actually, there was would have been one guy between Roberts and this guy. Um, Name's going to take a minute. I'll give you a fairly big hint. Think of a 
general manager and a 60s actress slash famous murder victim. Uh, Golden Tate. You're you're halfway there. It, the Tate part. This, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. General manager and 60s actress. Brandon Tate. Brandon Tate. There we go. Okay. Yes, well so done. Our general manager. Okay. Yes. All right. Uh, 2016. And by the way, Frank, pulling Sharon Tate out of your head. You got. I I'm really mind, good sir. with serial killers. I don't know <laughs> 2016. This one is an easy one, but I had to include it. Blank needs to make the most of his audition. Blank can do plenty to enhance his status as the early favorite by showing team owners Terry Pagula, Terry and Kim Pagula, and general manager Doug Whaley how well he's able to manage a game. Ha 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 ha. Oh, that was Nathan me. Peterman. No, no, this is a, uh, known for a strong attention to detail. Blank gathered with his coaching staff Thursday to review everyone's game day responsibilities. Um, like Anthony Lynn? Anthony Lynn. There you go. Is one game coach. I just had to laugh at how well he's able to manage a game because that's that's Man, that is that is absolutely terrible. <laughs> no quiz on these, but I need to bring up these two twenty fourteen headlines just to remind us how good it's been uh the last in the six years since. Orton retires, leaving Bills without QB, and Marone not expected to use contract out. Uh so just one. Uh, uh two thousand and nine. Bills blank. Find $5,000 by NFL for D3 symbol. Uh, Buffalo Bills blank says he's been fined $5,000 by the NFL for painting D3 under his eyes rather than using a standard strip of eye black during last weekend's game at Atlanta. Stevie Johnson? No, no. He just would, you know, do stupid stuff like that. Right. He, he did his New Year's thing, which got him the bench that one year. But but forever cemented in my heart. So. Right. I could give you, let me give you the position here because it does say in the article, running back. And can you tell me the year again? Yeah, 2009. So CJ Spiller? No, no. Think of why he would, this person would paint D3 under their eyes. Fred Jackson? Fred Jackson from Division Division 3, Co College. Or he was a big uh, fan of the third Mighty Ducks film. But I would guess it's the Co College thing. Odd odd that he's normally not a showboat. So no, no. Would, and that's not really showboating, so I'm not going to accuse him of that. Right. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a very subtle show of support, and I'm sure he's happy to take that. That's fine. All right. 2008, free agent linebacker Blank wants to return to Bills. Uh, Russ Brandon said the door wasn't closed. He just obviously wanted to see where I am in my rehab and what's next for me. He said he would definitely be talking to my agent, and the door is definitely not closed. Um so on September 4th of 08, this player had been placed on season-ending season ending injured reserve after undergoing knee surgery. He was a 2003 round three pick by the Bills out of UVA. He spent mm. six seasons with the team. If you count the 08 season, where he didn't play because of the injury. He was a full-time starter in 05, 06, and 07, and he had multiple seasons with 120-plus tackles. Sadly, he didn't play with the Bills next year, and he never played in the NFL again. He, he signed with the Bucks in the offseason, got hurt and placed on IR, and he was released the next summer, and that was it for his career. Was Arthur Motes that guy? Not Arthur Motes. Good guess. He went to, I think, Pittsburgh after his Bills career ended. Okay. Just a year or two after this was Motes. Mm. Mm. If you know the law firm I work for, it will help you with this answer. 
is you scramble to go to my LinkedIn profile. Hold <laughs> 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 um, Um. Porn Porno, porno, and porno. <laughs> the porno for oh angelo crowell angelo crowell there we go yeah. all right this is always my favorite time it's mediocre offensive lineman from the mid-2000s time guys Yay. all <laughs> right 2005 healthy blank ready for sweet 16th start blank has been labeled as injury prone throughout his career this year shows that's a fluke statement whoever said it blank said on thursday I don't look at anything as unfair. It is what it is. I played this whole year without any problems. I haven't missed any practices, any reps in the game or any plays or anything. It's hard to stay in there because you get banged up so much, but I've been fortunate and lucky this year. So this is a Chicago Bears third round pick in 2001 out of Notre Dame. He spent four years with the Bears and then started all 16 games at left tackle for the Bills in 2005. But then the Bills found that a guy in this roster named Jason Peters who could do okay at this position. So they moved this guy to left guard and he started all 16 games at left guard in 2006. And then he went back to went to Arizona and was a left tackle for the rest of his career, starting all 16 games in 07, 08, and then 12 in 2009 for a, a career ending groin injury. Mike Gandy. Like, oh my God, Scott. Boom. Wow. Scott. Out of nowhere. The RKO. Wow. That is, that is as good as the Sharon Tate and that you guys today are just, Tear to my eye with with that one. Mike Gandy is the correct answer. All right. Uh, no quiz, but worth bringing up. 2004, Tommy Maddox to start for Big Ben. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's how history oh. repeats itself 16 years later, Pretty except not Maddox, off. of course. So 1999, blank, a little surprise to start against Colts. 1999. Yep. I don't yeah. want to give any hints on this one because it'll make it obvious. So you have to go back to. So Rob Johnson. Rob Johnson. Yep. The very significant yeah. event because not only did he start, he played very well, and that caused some. That That's caused the trouble. end of the fucking season. Right <laughs> yeah. <now. laughs> um. Oh, all right. I this is uh this is just a quick quiz question on 1995, uh, December 30th. What happened on this day for the Bills? Clinch the AFC East. Nope, nope. Uh, they won they, the Super Bowl. Yeah, the end. But about halfway between your guys' answers. They, it is the last time they won a playoff game at last home. Last time they won a playoff game. Very good. Period. period. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Period. Yeah, not just at home and period. Uh, that was against the Miami Dolphins. They won. And the last one, uh, we're ending on a high note because it's the holidays, so we're giving you an easy one here. 29 years ago today, Bill's elite running back, Blank, was named the NFL MVP for his memorable season. On three, guys. One, two, three. Cookie Gilchrist. Cookie Gilchrist is the current. Thurman Thomas, the NFL MVP on this day in 1991. And that was this day in Bill's headlines for December 30th. Well Uh, done, guys. Yes. The article I was perusing briefly was about how the Dolphins have a our top five pick basically because they have Houston's pick this year, and so there's a chance that Tua Tagovailoa maybe in his last couple of years, yeah, sure oh. him, whatever, I don't care. Uh, that basically he might not get the leash that a lot of teams would give because they could get Justin Fields from Ohio State. Um, so that's I don't know, and then and then Stevenson an article about Ryan Fitzpatrick maybe starting for the Patriots next year, which 
that's as good a thing as any that I've ever Why heard. not? He needs to make the rounds in the AFC East. And hopefully he's like he was just with the other teams and led them to being better than they could be and fall just short of the playoffs. That's yeah, exactly well, they we, might make the – they got a good chance at making the playoffs this do, year. Yeah. Um, it seems that uh, Tua is going to be the starter per Flores. I think it's really weird how they keep yanking him in games. Um, you're referring to, to um, Fitz as the as the relief pitcher, I think, last week. I think that it was pointed out online. Imagine if you had pulled Allen in all of his hard starts. I mean, I don't know. Like, I think if you really believe in Tua, you're, you're, you're developing Tua. I think it's also hard to sort of turn away from a playoff seating when you have a chance. You have a great defense. You don't know how long you're going to keep it together. But Tua is supposed to start this week. That doesn't mean he will finish. Um, and I don't know, the more I think about it, the more I, I mean, I think that we're all in agreement that the starters will not play most of this game. I think right. that, at, I think that there's a chance that they'll start the game, but not finish it. I think there's also a good chance that they won't even start it. Uh, you know, McDermott's playing it close to the chest. Uh, Matt Barkley, of course, is no schlub. He's not a complete like schlub. He's there. Um, so we'll see. Uh, if how how much they'll firepower and how vanilla they'll they'll play it. Uh, currently, it's anywhere right now. The spread consensus is the Bills are two point favorites. I've seen it anywhere as high as five point favorites. I mean, they have the Bills scoring thirty three points and Miami scoring fourteen. I don't know. Like that seems like a lot of points for the the Bills backups. Um, this is the last game we're gonna pick this year. Um, I have of course locked up the season victory. Mm-hmm. With my record, I believe I am 15 yep. and I'm 14 and one. I think I've only screwed up one game and God, I wish I could have that, you know, but I'm not going to. I think Miami might win this game. I think I'm going to take Miami. I think Buffalo, by virtue of resting their starters, will will lose this game. But I think it's going to be like 16 to 14 or, you know, 17 to 14. It's not going to be like they got blown out. I think it's going to be an ugly game and Buffalo's going to be fine with it. Um, I think you're going to see a lot of Zach Moss and Devin Singletary. I think you're going to see Isaiah McKenzie score a touchdown. I think he'll be in it. I think you're going to see the tight ends play. I think you're going to see most of the offensive line play. And I think that's it. But I don't think Miami can really score. And I don't really think that Buffalo cares if they can score. So that's my those are my impressions of the game um, heading into it. Scott, go for it. I will say I think the Bills will also. I think that you're. I think the the critical question obviously is what does McDermott think the best plan is. I think McDermott's been willing to kind of play the percentages and be analytic on this type of thing, um, and I think he is he is going to sit some guys, and I think that's going to. I think I think you're right. I think it'll be. I think they'll the guys who are in there will be to a certain extent trying, but I think when you make that call, you're ultimately saying there are things more important than winning this game. And when you send that message to your team, you're sending you're giving them permission to not play a hundred percent, to play hard enough to not get injured, um, to to try and, you know, make a go of it, but don't don't go nuts. So I think, yeah, I, I think I think they'll be in the ball game for a little while, but I don't think I think Miami's gonna Pull out all the stops, obviously, to get in, and they're going to win. I'm going to say 24 to 14. 
I think it'll I think it'll get away from the Bills. Like I think they'll make a game of it for a half and then it'll be right. I uh the Bills have never uh gone undefeated against their division in their history. Uh this is a chance to do that. Uh and I'm in agreement with the guys that it's it's not going to happen. I actually decided to go with last year's Jets score, which was 13 to 6 Jets in the finale. So I'm going to go 13 to 6 Miami in this finale, noting that Miami, the 2020 Dolphins are a much better team than the 2019 Jets. But I also note the 2020 Bills are a better team than the 2019 Bills. So why not? 13 to 6 Miami. Well, if you like those scores and you want to let us know what you think, go to MNY Bills on Twitter. You can also go to B Bills MNY on Facebook. You can search uh, Buffalo Bills maybe next year on the Google and find us. When we talk to you next, the season will be over. We'll recap it briefly, uh, and we will be on to the playoffs. Until then, thank you so much for listening. My name is Frank. Uh, I'm, I'm Scott. I'm Paul. Okay, good night, everyone.